3: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. Because you know what? It's our purpose. And there is no greater purpose in life than to live your life like it matters. And today, uh, you know, I want to talk about structure. Because, you know, without proper structure, nothing long-term can happen. Without proper structure... Um, it's like the Bible talks about, you build your house on sand, on sinking sand, it shifts, uh, it sinks, it uh, gives way, uh, and then when there any pressure or storm or any kind of adversity, the whole thing crumbles. And so I want to talk about the importance of leadership structure, you know, the uh, the guidings of others in life, if you will. Uh, today I want to talk a little bit about legendary coach John Wooden, you know, his style, his ideas. Uh, foundational teachings, as an example for us in our own lives. You know, I want to lay out the pyramid of success. You know, John Wooden had a plan. He had a strategy. He had what he considered common sense. Uh, And he had that before he had success. He didn't create it after he had some success. I see a lot of people get in the training field and then they just make stuff up or they do this and they do that. But John Wooden actually had this strategy, had this belief system, had this structure down before he ever really had any true success. And I would posit that it is because of that foundation and because of him living a life of significance that he made the impact he made, that he made the legacy he made, that he had the success he made, that he was as significant as he was. And only we can talk about the pyramid of success, which is pretty cool, but also Coach Wood had a couple more pieces of this. He, he had something called the seven-point creed, uh, something called the mortar. You know, the mortar is what holds it all together. And also today want to consider the six stages of a man's life, as posited by author John Eldridge. You know, today I, I want to talk about mentoring men. Mentoring men because you know what's how do I put this? What's lacking today is leadership. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of trepidation. There's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of racism. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of management. There's a lot of dictate, dictatorial actions, uh, authoritative actions. But there's not a lot of good leadership. Oh, there's leadership. But I, I want to suggest not a lot of good leadership. And really, man, I, I'm going to be honest with you, it's it's on us. Uh, it's on us. Yep. Now, now, in all fairness, there has been a war on men. Uh, it's been going on a few decades. Uh, and again, distraction is ultimate. You know, uh, David Copperfield really did not make the Statue of Liberty disappear. I just want to make sure you're, you're aware of that. David Copperfield did not make that elephant disappear. Just want to make sure you're aware of that. It's called a sleight of hand, it's called distraction, right? Pay attention to the, my right hand and my left hand's doing something else. Pay attention to the birdie on the wall and then something else is going on. It's distraction. And so you've got to realize that a lot of what's going on is distraction. So every two years, in order for you to fear that you can't get all the abortions you want, in order for you to fear that you can't use whatever bathroom you want, in order for you to fear uh, that you won't be able to sleep with whoever you want, uh, there's got to be this pretend war on women. Um, and... Let me suggest, it's covering for the war on men. I mean, men are ridiculed, men are put down, men are told they don't matter. The whole Black Lives Matter movement is really a black uh, lesbian women movement, Marxist movement. They don't want young, those black men around anywhere. Why do you think so many uh, black men are coming to the Republican Party? Why do you think the Hispanics are running to the uh, Republican Party? Because it represents them. But you can't what's going on here. Men, there's a war on us. The only drug that's illegal on a college campus is testosterone, right? Toxic masculinity. They ban anybody who's masculine. Now, again, I'm not a big fan of smoking, so please hear that. It does a lot of harm. I don't smoke. My wife does. I married her when she was a smoker, so I can't really you know hold it against her. But the Marlboro Man, you couldn't get any more masculine than the Marlboro Man, right? right? John Wayne, right? Got to rename his airport. And of course, Donald Trump is the epitome of masculinity, wrong or right, good or bad. I'm just being honest, right? And everything's men's fault. And if you're a white man, you are a seed from Beelzebub himself, right? And so men don't matter. Men don't matter. Men are lost, especially if you start targeting white men, because for the first time in 100 years, it's okay to be racist. So it's today racism is legal. We have the most racist White House in the history, probably 100 years. Um, So it's okay to be racist as long as you're the right type of racist. And so what's lacking here is men. Men. How are little boys growing up? What are they learning? Men. We are examples. When men stop leading, countries crumble. You know why? Because when men stop leading, families fall apart. See, in the family... Is the petri dish of all civilizations, and so when you can destroy the family, you can destroy the structure of that nation, and then of course religion goes out the door, and of course we got to make sure gun rights don't exist because what would a what would a government a, a deep state do if all of its constituents had guns? Ooh, it'd be kind of hard to to treat everybody like crap, wouldn't it? So we got to get rid of those guns, got to get rid of that religion, got to get rid of those Bibles. Remember what Obama said, clinging to your guns and religion, get rid of them. So men, today I want to talk about leadership. It's time we step up. It's time we start acting like men again. Loving, kind, gentle, meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. Men, meek is not weak. Today's preferred man is a weak, liberal transvestite. Someone who thinks he is a she. That's today's... Ideal man in the world, but that's not God's ideal man. God's ideal man was someone like Isaiah. God's ideal man was someone like David. God's ideal man was someone like Joseph. God's ideal man was someone like Gideon. God's ideal man was someone like Moses. And you know what? They all screwed up. They all made mistakes. Some more than others. Adultery, murder, yep. Maybe in some of the R word in there. They made mistakes; they're flawed; they're sinners, but they also picked themselves up, dust themselves off, hit again. They repented; they changed their mind; they changed; they did something different. And John Eldridge—not uh, a big fan of John Eldridge, um, wild at heart—it uh, was okay. I'm not a big outdoor guy. He wants you to hunt and kill things and ah, act like a man. Ah, ah. Tim the Toolman Taylor, but you know John Eldridge basically came out with the six stages. Of a man's life. First, he said, Beloved son, boyhood, a young boy. Then it's the cowboy stage, begins the adolescence. Then he says, There's the warrior stage, about 19, early 20s. Then there's the lover stage, the 20s to 30s, the awakening of the heart. Then there's the king stage, 40s to 60s. At this stage, the character of the man, his wholeheartedness has been shaped enough to be entrusted with power, money, and influence. And then the final stage, is what's called the sage stage. The silver haired sage steps aside to let younger men carry the load. But he sought after for his wisdom and counsel. Now, I got to the sage stage a lot early because of what I do. But I'm going to suggest that this has nothing to do with age. That I'm going to suggest that men, that we're called to be sages. Men, we are called to lead by example. Men, leadership is a loop. You got to flex your pecs, men you got to quit cowering. Meek is power under control. Meek does not equal weak. Meek is a bridled stallion. And man, you haven't been castrated. You might have been bridled, and you're not sure how to chew on that bit. But I'm telling you right now today, men, you got to lead. Because when men don't lead, families crumble. When men don't lead, countries fall apart. Have you watched the news lately? So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about mentoring men. I'm Black. We'll be back.
4: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended
2: Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of
4: awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Sightseeing in Paris, at the
0: Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
4: The power of the Christian education is that our children can make their decisions and their sound decisions, and it just makes them better adults. Hi, I'm Jeff. Hi, I'm Trish. And we're from Oakdale. Jeff and Trish use the half-off tuition program for both of their sons' Christian education. That's half price for the first year of tuition at participating Twin Cities schools. The half-off tuition program was better than we could have ever imagined for our family. Details
5: at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Thousands of young people are dying from counterfeit prescription drugs laced with lethal doses of fentanyl. Just
4: one counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl can kill. Visit OnePillKilled.org to learn more.
3: welcome back to like it matters radio radio like it matters inspiration education and application today we are talking about mentoring men mentoring men because men i don't care what stage in life you're at we need to start pouring into other people you know i never had a a, a, my biological father let me put this way i never knew my biological father Um, I had uh, grew up with a man who I called father uh, who was not my biological father. My mom met met him at a bar that she worked at, and uh, they hooked up, and uh, um, they at some point got married. And then uh, basically there's three of us kids already, uh, and then my mom and uh, that man, Ted, uh, had two more kids, my two little sisters. Uh, and we never knew who my real father was, the three older one of us and uh at one point, my older brother and my older sister, I'm the middle kid, and wanted to go out and find out you know who our biological father was and they asked me if I wanted to partake. And I said no, they go, no, because we basically hated our the father that we had ted black, and although he did the best job he could and I forgave him and uh, he had a rough childhood and he just did what he did what was done to him as he did to us. And that's usually what happens. That's why the Bible says the sins of the father go three to four generations for those who hate God. And my father hated God. He wanted nothing to do with God. I did everything I could to introduce him to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he wasn't interested. And so what God's saying is not cursing people. What God's saying is fatherly leadership takes a toll. That's what God's saying. Fatherly leadership takes a toll. That's what God's saying. See, the way we live our lives, men, we got little eyes watching us. We got little eyes watching us. The other day, uh, I let my son, Benaiah, use my phone a lot. He, like, he uses it more than I do. He likes to play games on it. And so uh, he had done something, and I got mad at him, and he wasn't focusing, so I took my phone away. And I was mad at him because he was being disrespectful. Not intentionally, but sometimes he gets distracted with that phone. And I'm working to teach him right now. I'm an intense man. And when my kids can learn how to handle Mr. Black, nothing can get to them. Nothing. And so I uh, took away my phone. I went upstairs and I work. I don't have office hours. Sometimes, Like last night, I was still typing up an email for one of my um, people. I do life caddy work at 11 o'clock at night. And so I'm uh, I'm at work upstairs in my office working and stuff, and then all of a sudden my phone blinks. I don't blink, look at my phone whenever it that makes my son but I am mad. He goes, Dad, you got a message. Dad, you got a message. Dad, stop with you and pick up your message. Dad, you got a message. Your phone ding. And I'm like, so what? My phone doesn't run my life. I run my life. And so a few minutes later, I picked up my phone, and you know what I saw? I saw a picture of my bored little son. See, I had his phone, so he was bored. Even though we got an Xbox One. Even though we have a switch, and even though we have probably a thousand dollars worth of games, he's bored. And I have a lot of books. I'm a bibliophile. I love books. And my wife had bought me this book that I'm just now starting, called "Learning Hebrew in Six Weeks." And Hebrew is the language of God. And I love the Lord. I share Scripture. I read it. I go to jail. I'm a I'm a I'm a, a pastor in the in the jail. And uh, my son loves God and loves the Word because he sees Daddy loving God and loving the world Word. And you know what the picture was of my son sitting doing? He was reading a book. You know what book he was reading? And he has lots of books. Lots of dogman books. Lots of Captain Underpants books. Right? The other one's Cat something, cat people. I don't remember what it's called, but it's all by the same dweeby guy. He's reading How to Learn Hebrew in Six Weeks. Got a beautiful picture. How to Learn Hebrew in Six Weeks. That's what my son was reading. (laughs) You see, leadership's a loop, ladies and gentlemen. The two questions of leadership, first of all, is who am I? You gotta answer that question. And I'm telling you right now, you're an influencer. Or you can be an enabler. You're a difference maker, or you're a sloth. See, these are choices. See, I I was counseling this one guy one time. His wife had cheated on him. He wouldn't forgive his wife. And so I figured I would take him down a path to have him look. He supposedly was a Christian. Have him look at what God did for him and how God forgave him and how since God forgave us such a great sin, then we should forgive other people uh, lesser sins or even greater sins uh, if there was such a thing because that's what God tells us to do. And so I figured I'll logically get him to realize that he's supposed to forgive his wife whether he wants to or not. And so I figured I'll ask him a question. What's the greatest gift that God ever gave to you? And I figured he'd say forgiveness, right? Because that's what we're focused on, right? Instead, he said free will. And I choked. I almost laughed out loud. I said, what? You think your greatest gift that God ever gave you was free will? I would say grace. I would say mercy. I would say salvation. I would say forgiveness. I would say redemption. I would say a new beginning. I would say a lot of things. If you ask me, what was the greatest gift that God ever gave me? Nowhere on that list, just to let you know, would be free will. Because I attempt to give it back daily to God. I just want God to make me do it. Make me an automaton. See, because I know who I am. See, that's the key. You got to know who you are. And see, this is why you have to have a mission statement. This is why I rail about this all the time. And my mission statement is right at my desk. It says, God's mission for the child of God named Scott V. Black. I'm committed to dying daily to myself and my desires. I'm a conduit of the Holy Spirit. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm the hands and feet of my Lord Jesus Christ, and daily I put on his heart and his mind. I'm living the methods see a need, meet a need. My mantra is to fulfill all the divine appointments that God has planned for me and to live my life for my Lord and for others, being the best father, husband, leader, human, child of God that I am created to be. I commit to all these things daily until I can hear those words from the beam of seat of my Christ, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I am committed to do this with passion, heart, body, and soul, to the glory of Yahweh. Remember, Do not fear. See, the first thing is you gotta know who you are. And as we were talking about before, John Eldridge. Uh, has uh, stages of manhood. And I got this little, uh, printout. I'm, I'm not a big John Eldridge fan. I mean, I did this wild at heart, and a good friend of mine, Brett, he's really big into John Eldridge. And you gotta go outside, you gotta kill something, you gotta fish, you gotta fart, you gotta walk around naked, you gotta be a man. Arr, you know? I never went on guy trips because I'm really not interested in walking around naked around a lot of guys and, and gutting a fish and killing some animal and watching it bleed all over the place. Sorry, guys, just not my cup of tea. Nothing personal. So, but John Eldridge uh, came out with this book, and it's a it's a great concept. By the way, I was looking at this; um, it was a podcast explanation it's from Medium. dot com, and the guy's name is uh, I think it's a, a, a Sherrick, uh, a Herrick English, I think. He says John Eldridge is a storyteller of his own and others' journeys. His own path has gone from brokenness to becoming wholehearted. It's the story of a kid who was into drugs, got kicked out of school, encountered Jesus, and became a healing force in the lives of others. Do you hear that? A healing force in the lives of others. Notice it didn't talk about just his life. A healing force in the life of others. Remember, there are three levels of living. You're, you can live in survival. You can live in success. Or you can live in significance. See, survival, you're just a squirrel working to get your nut. There's a lot of people. The whole Black Lives Matter movement. The whole hatred and bitterness. The whole racism out there. It's all about survival. To, to, to get more than the next person. To outdo, to get free stuff, to get taken care of. Cradle to grave. Just just a squirrel working to get you nut. But the next level success. Now success is still about you. But now you make a name for yourself. Now you got some stuff. You're doing okay. You got money. You got followers. You got fame. You got the ladies. You got the men. You got the bling bling. But let me suggest that the one that we want is the third level. And that's significance. And one thing about significance, it always requires what requires somebody else. And so this guy is talking about John Eldridge. He said, as a counselor, he's heard the stories of many who are seeking to restore that which was broken. Hearts, lives, relationships, that's what I do. And through their many stories, he's observed truths and gained insight about the human condition. John has identified areas where the culture has failed in its preparation of boys for manhood. Gone are important rites of passage and the challenges, risks, and dangers of cultures past. Our digitized, sedentary, climate-controlled lives are living behind a culture of bankrupt or true masculinity. Boys and men are living unfulfilled lives, and we as a culture need to make some structural changes. Why do you think so many boys want to become girls? Because we've been told that boys are bad and girls are good. So here are the six stages. Beloved son, boyhood. A young boy needs to know that his father delights in him. We need to be affirmed. We need to be validated. Too many young boys aren't validated. I grew up wondering, what makes a man a man? When Christopher Reeves was paralyzed and he could not no longer physically satisfy his wife, was he still a man? Was Jesus Christ a man? He never slept with anybody. He never worked a day. What makes a man a man? Who teaches us that, men? Who teaches little boys what a man is? Women. That's the problem. You don't want women who want someone, especially someone who hates men, teaching a little boy what a man is. That's the problem we got today. you got the cowboy stage, begins the adolescence, a time of adventure, hard work, taking risks. Warrior stage. I'm still in the warrior stage, by the way, and you can be in more than one of these stages at a time. It says 19, I'm 57 years old next week. Actually, Saturday, October 8th, I'll turn 57 in just a couple days. And I'm a warrior. It says young men need a mission. A cause, something worth fighting for. That's me. The stage is best entered before the lover stage. Oh, I'm still in that warrior stage. I kind of moved out of the lover stage, I think my wife would tell you. Lover stage, 20s to 30s. The awakening of the heart. Oh, my heart's fully on fire. This could manifest as the love of poetry, nature, music, and eventually romance. The king stage, 40s to 60s. At this stage, the character of the man his whole has been shaped enough to be entrusted with power, with money. And then the sage stage, which I'm going to suggest you don't have to be 60 in hair. It's you right now. I don't care if you're 18 or 28 or 48 or 68. John Wooden said it best. Success is a peace of mind which is the direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing that you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. That's what a man does. And that's how a man teaches a boy how to become a great man. Now, after the break, we're going to go through John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, his seven points, and also his mortar. We'll be back after these messages.
5: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine?
3: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black, and you are under construction on the Like It Matters Radio Network. Every Monday through Friday, from 11 a.m. to 12 central time, you can listen to me live. Uh, I don't care where you are in the world, I don't care if you're in Russia or China or the Middle East. I don't care if you're in Alaska or if you're in Portland. Uh, all you got to do is go to freedom1570.com, freedom1570.com on your phone, and just you can listen live at 11 uh, to 12 o'clock. And, uh, and my goal is to inspire you, to motivate you, and to give you something new today to help to educate you. Uh, and by education, I do not mean the learning of mere facts and figures. That's not uh, what Albert Einstein defined education as. He defined education as the... The training of the mind to think, and that's uh, what we're losing. It's atrophy. Uh, we're told what to think anymore. We're not even allowed to question. It's, and yet, science—we're called to follow science. It's illogical. Matter of fact, tomorrow's show, I'm going to title "Things That Make You Go Hmm," because there's so much confusion in this world. We are being told ten different things, and they're all the antithesis of each other. But it all depends on what the poll says, and. What party's in office? One standard. If there's a Democrat in office, one standard. If there's a Republican office, one standard. If there's a white person involved, one person. If there's a person, one standard. If there's a person of color involved, one uh, uh, standard. If there's a normal heterosexual person, uh, cisgender, uh, totally different standard. If there's a transgender. So it's really confusing out there. We're so wrapped up in pronouns that we forget the importance of the other parts of a vocabulary, like verbs, right? <laughs> like verbs, like prepositions, really, really important. And what we're lacking is good leadership. And that's why I love the example of John Wooden. You know, John Wooden, um, you know, he's called the coach. But I think John Wooden really solidified uh, the belief that a, a real good coach is not just about winning games or losing games or putting on uniforms, but it's about learning principles that don't only serve you on the field or in the gym or on the mat, but they serve you in life. And so, but this is the good old days. This is, a, I really do believe, uh, I forgot which uh, newscaster did it, but he wrote a book about the greatest generation. I think it was Dan Rather. I'm not a big fan of Dan Rather, just say so you no. Know. But again, everybody can can be right every once in a while. I really do believe that the World War II generation was the greatest generation ever. And guess what John Wooden was? You know, but John Wooden was who he was because he had a great father, which you've never heard of. His father's name was Joshua Wooden, and I would suggest that John Wooden was powerfully. Uh, motivationally uh, influenced by his father, Joshua Wooden. And again, there's a great uh, Hebrew name, Joshua, the same basically in the form of Jesus, if you will, Joshua Wooden. So let me tell you a little bit about John Wooden. John Wooden was born and grew up in Indiana, uh, you know, right? Basketball state, right? The Hoosier state, it's all about basketball. Got to figure John Wooden had to grow up there, right? John Wooden was born and grew up in Indiana. He graduated high school in 1928, right? Sounds like World War I, right? Graduating high school uh, right at the time of World War I, right? Uh, Played four years. Actually, it was 1917. Sorry, a little bit off. Sorry. A little bit off. Just a decade. Just a decade. Four years of college basketball for Purdue University until graduation in 1932. His basketball accolades are well documented and easily found with a simple Google search. After college, he taught English. So first of all, did you hear that? He didn't go on to the NBA, right? After college, he wasn't good enough to play. He taught English at a high school level while playing some professional basketball. So he did a little part-time again, not in the NBA or whatever was back. I don't know if it was background, but then. This was, okay, this was way before the NBA contracts that you hear of today. As a matter of fact, the NBA did not form until 1946. So some professional basketball, but again, he wasn't paid to do it. He was a full-time teacher. In 1942, guess what he did? Yep, he went in the military. He enlisted with the United States Navy, so many people. Back then in that day, uh, people joined the military. Today, I think it's under 10% of the people join the military or even know someone in the military, have a family member in the military. It's changed so much. America's changed so much. In 1942, he enlisted with the United States Navy, where he served two years and left the service as a lieutenant. After his service duty, he went back to his home state of Indiana, where he taught English. And guess what he started doing? It's Hoosier Town. He started coaching basketball. Then, listen, then in 1948, Wooden was hired as a fourth basketball coach in UCLA history. 1948. His contract was worth a whopping 18000 over three years, $6,000 a year, in not that fascinating? Wouldn't adopted a UCLA team that had mediocre results. Uh, and to most people's surprise, he had immediate success, calling it an instant turnaround. And why did he say that? Because he had a system. See, he adopted this system before he got successful. It was a system that he used to become successful. That's what's so powerful. And that system is now called the Pyramid of Success. See, little did he know, that when he introduced the Pyramid of Success to his UCLA basketball players, that he would also introduce an easy-to-understand framework for all individuals. And there's actually websites. There's actually a company. I got this information. I can't remember the company The John wouldn't experience. Uh, where they basically take his uh, pyramid and they take his uh, seven-point uh, creed and they take his mortar and they actually – teach a leadership class. I'm sure they pay a lot of uh, rights to do that and all that. I'm sure it's a good little thing, Uh, but I'd, I'd suggest it's probably more of a management training than a leadership training. And so the John R. Wooden course exists to teach and share the framework with thousands of organizations and millions of people. That's what's called the John R. Wooden course. Now, here's what's interesting. Because Coach corned a famous phrase, seven-point creed, something he came up with. And later we found out it was a timeless gift that his father gave him as a teenager, and it was entitled Seven Things to Do. Now, this was so powerful because he passed this down to his son. Now, I've never met John Wooden, and I've never met his son who he gave this to. But in a moment, I'm going to tell you I have a connection to John Wooden, and this shows you the power of making an impact. So first of all, a timeless gift that his father gave him as a teenager was entitled Seven Things to Do. And later, Coach changed the name to Seven Point Creed. Here's what it is. Ready? This is what Joshua told little John about his life. Seven things to do. Be true to yourself. Number two, help others. Number three, make each day your masterpiece. Number four, drink deeply from good books, especially the Bible. Number five, make friendship a fine art. Number six, build a shelter against a rainy day. And number seven, pray for guidance and count and give thanks for your blessings every day. Now, that is powerful. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a man of God, I see God all through that. Remember I said the first thing, be true to yourself. That's why I keep saying, who are you? See, you can't be true to yourself unless you know who you are. Because once you know who you are, then what to do is a lot easier. Number two, help others. I told you. God told me years ago, see, you need, me to need. I told you, significance always requires other people. See, I pass this down to my kids. I teach this in my training, but again, same type of thing. This is what the SAGE phase does. And John one was young. I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been doing this since I was in my 20s. You don't have to be 60 years old to be a sage. You just have to live a life of significance. You just got to want to make a difference. You just got to see a need, meet a need. You just got to know that you're made for something greater. You just got to know that that person standing in front of you is a living, breathing human being. That person has dreams and desires. They want to love and be loved just like you do. Number three, make each day your masterpiece. In other words, live your life like it matters. This is the only moment you have. God gave it to you. You're either going to bring glory to God or glory to the devil. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not to man. Make each day your masterpiece. Number four, drink deeply. Ah, I love that word. I hunger and thirst. You hunger and thirst? That means to drink deeply, to crave earnestly. Ah, from good books. But he then says, especially the good book, the Bible, because all wisdom from God is right there in the Bible. And boy, if you can't get the Bible right, I don't know why I would come to you for anything else. I'm going to be honest with you. Number five, make friendships a fine art, right? Because love is a verb. For God so loved the world, they did something about it. For you so love a friend, that you do something about it. For you so love your spouse, you do something about it. For you so love your kids, you do something about it. For you so love your country, you do something about it. For you so love being on the radio, you do something about it. It's a verb. We were created for a relationship. Vertical and horizontal. Make friendship a fine art. Build a shelter against a rainy day. Pray for guidance and count, give thanks. You know, the cool thing is I got a a chance to connect and work with Coach Jim Herrick. We were both doing some work with the California PGA, and we interacted multiple times, and we created a friendship. And he got something from John Wooden, his mentor, that he shared in his training, and he presented it, and he gave me a copy of it. And on the inscription of it says, the original of this was presented to me, John Wooden wrote this, in 1936 upon the birth of my son, and has kept me nearby since then, John Wooden. And it says, a careful man I want to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear he'll go the self same way. I cannot once escape his eyes, whatever he sees me do he tries. Like me he says he's going to be, the little chap that follows me. He thinks I'm fine and good, believes in every word of mine, the baits in me he must not see, that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go, through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. See, ladies and gentlemen, you can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. People are watching you. And we got to decide, are you a role model of what people should be? Or are you giving people all the reasons the world? Examples? of what they would never want to be. Men, it's time to step up. It's time to become the men that we were called to be. What were those men? Mentoring men. I'm Black, and we'll be right back.
1: We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. And don't forget the daily radio show, Like It Matters, at 11 a.m. on Freedom 1570. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at Black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's Black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Salmon fishing in Alaska. At an amusement park in Green Bay. Or taking a stroll through Loring Park.
0: We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. BearingArms.com covers Second Amendment issues, self-defense, the latest gear, and more. That's BearingArms.com.
4: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening.
2: I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If
4: you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It
3: Matters Radio. Radio like it matters, inspiration, education, and application, and today, man, it's a little kick in the pants, come on, man, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and hit again, we need you, man, it's time to get in the game, man, if not you, then who, if not now, then when, planes crash and people die, it's a fact of life, how's a boy going to know what it's like to be a man unless he sees it, a picture's worth a thousand words, see, that's the leadership loop, you got to flex your pecs. It's permission, it's example, it's culture. We give people permission through our actions unless you're a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, you're constantly going around telling people to do what you say, not what you do. Don't be a hypocrite, be a leader. Be an example. That's what the E's for. Example. If a picture's worth a thousand words, what type of story are your actions telling? There are only two driving forces in life, either the desire for pleasure or the avoidance of pain. In other words, you're either moving towards something or you're moving away from something. And everybody's watching us. And you've got to ask yourself, gentlemen, ladies, the way you're living your life. How many people are moving closer to what you're doing and they say, man, that's the type of leader I want to be. Or as people watch you live your life, how many people are moving away from that example and say that I would never want to be like that. I would never treat people that way. I would never talk to people that way. I would never treat my kids that way. I would never dot, dot, dot. People are watching. And you got to understand that they're looking for a reason why and a reason why not. This world is full of help. They want you to focus on all your pains, on anybody that's ever hurt you on any wrong, they want you to to stir up all your offenses, keep a record of your wrong, remind yourself that anybody's ever done you wrong, anybody's ever made you feel bad, and if you don't have enough pain in your own life, then let's take a trip backwards, let's make up some fake history. Let's talk about 100 years ago, how people treated people who looked like you badly. Let's go back 200 years, how people who looked like you were treated badly. Let's go back 500 years and rewrite and make up some stuff just so you can feel bad that people that look like you were treated badly. So you can hate. You can be bitter. So you can have strife. So you can be a victim. Because every good victim needs a rescuer. Welcome to Joe Biden and the Deep State. I'm going to rescue you from those wicked Republicans. You're being played, players. Man, open your eyes. Shake it off. Wake up. Hit the alarm. Pinch yourself. It's time. Former UCLA basketball coach John Wooden would be the first one to tell you that he didn't win 10 national championships by what, what he taught them. A little basic stuff about putting a ball in a basketball. He would tell you that two things. Number one, those young men on that basketball court were responsible for all those banners. But he would also have to admit that his teaching methods, even though they were unconventional, they were absolutely effective. And not only did it win championships and put banners on the ceiling, but it changed lives. And see, what he did is he always dealt with the basics. See, building blocks. That's what pyramid is. Pyramid is structurally sound. It's geometrically almost perfect. It's a triangle. It's solid. And you've got to understand, you've got to have a foundation in place. Jesus said that. If, if you hear his words and don't do them, I think it was James who said it. It's like building your house on shifting sand. The storm comes up, there's a little pressure, and the house collapses. You gotta build on a rock, a solid foundation. And the example I always like to give, and I don't know if you ever heard it before, it's a great story. The first day of practice at UCLA was always a, a day full of anticipation, excitement. I mean, the new recruits, here they were. They were showing up to the the, the heralded Coach Wooden, known affectionately as a wizard of Westwood, right? And as they waited, each one wondered what the secrets of the game were. What was he going to teach them that no one else knew? What were the strategies for winning? What, what would they spring forth from this famous coach on day one? They're, they're excited. They're—it's like standing up and there's Yoda in front of you. you know, oh my gosh, it's Yoda! It's Yoda! I'm going to learn from Yoda, right? So with that, they're sitting there, anticipating. Coach comes in, and here's what happened. Please take off your socks and shoes. Coach would announce the team. He sat himself upon a locker room bench as he was speaking. I'm going to show you the proper way to put your shoes and socks on. With that, the new players looked at one another in disbelief. I mean, what is this, Joe Biden? What's going on here, man? Had the old man lost his mind? What on earth did this have to do with basketball? I came here for basketball. I've been putting on my socks and shoes, coach, since I've been two. But not wanting to question the leader, no one said out loud what was going on in their head. They all just complied and, and waited for the next instructions. Now, Coach would say, when you pull on your sock, showing them through example, I want you to make sure there are no wrinkles or gaps as he puts his own socks on. Make sure your heel is fully seated in the heel on the sock. Run your hand over the toes. Make sure to smooth out any bumpy areas. Then he showed each player how to properly lace his shoes and tie them snugly so that there was no room for the shoe to rub or the sock to bunch up. As Coach Wooden got up to to leave the locker room after doing this for the gym, the players behind him were silent. But they were looking at each other, just still wondering what their coach could possibly be doing by starting out our season. Talking about socks and shoes. It made no sense. Here they were, the best schoolboy players in the country. And the legendary coach had just wasted 30 minutes of their time doing what? Teaching them something they already knew, supposedly, about shoes and socks. And Coach Wood knew knew what they were thinking. Any good leader knows what his people are thinking. So as they're contemplating this and little whispering and memory, murmuring going on, Coach Wood... And with a glint in his eye, would say, "That's your first lesson, men. You see, if there are wrinkles in your socks or your shoes, or your shoes aren't tied properly, you're going to develop blisters. And when you have blisters, you're going to need to miss practice. And if you practice, you don't get to play. And if you don't get to play, we don't win." And looking them all in the eye, one by one, he said, if you want to win championships, you must take care of the smallest of details. And we would call those building blocks. Foundation. See, preparation doesn't start when the buzzer sounds to begin the big game. You can't start being a parent to your children in crisis. See, preparation... Starts with the first action at the first practice on the first day of the season. Greatness is not achieved in a moment. It's the result of hundreds of small acts of preparation. I learned in the military a long time ago, the six Ps of uh, preparation. Proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. Amazing, Coach would walk away from his first practice, and those young men were perplexed. And then the motivational speaker, author Don Yeager, explains it this way. He said, John Wooden understood the importance of the little things in terms of preparing for something bigger. Do you? Leaders? Men? Do you know how important it is that your boys are watching you? How important it is that your girls are watching you? How important it is that they see a loving relationship between you and their mom? How important it is to see you spend time with them? How important it is for you to validate them? Tell them they have value? See, many people thought John Wooden was a good coach because he had such a talented collection of players, and that didn't hurt, I guarantee you. But the students who played for him knew far better than that. See, Coach Wooden was great because he focused on the small, basic tasks that are building blocks of every major victory. And we're not talking about basketball anymore, ladies and gentlemen. What is it that you need to make sure that you are prepared for today? What are you doing to make sure that your kids see a great man? What are you doing today so that your wife gets loved by a great man? What are you doing today as you're out there in your world and you're going on your day that you see a need? What do you do with that need? How are you impacting people's lives? What small steps do you need to take to make sure that you're properly equipped for a bigger task that lies ahead? Consider each goal on your list in its most basic form. Determine from there where you need to begin. Where am I now? Where am I going, and what's it going to take to get there, and how long? Those are the three questions of clear visions all leaders ask themselves. Where am I now? Where am I going? And what's it going to take to get there, and how long? And why does this matter, ladies and gentlemen? Because people are watching. And I used to believe people are looking for a reason why. But in 30 years of working at deep level at likeitmatters.net, I realized what people are looking for is a reason why not. They're skeptical. So you got to decide, are you going to be another example for someone to be helpless and hopeless and have another why not? Or are you going to be that shining light on a hill that gives someone hope, that has someone looking forward because you touched their life. You made a difference. You saw a need and you met a need. You lived a significant life. You're under construction on the Like It Matters Radio Network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does.
5: Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening.
2: For probably two-thirds of my